The world around us is full of false choices. That temptation to be us versus them, for or against, in or out. But what does it really look like for followers of Jesus to engage in the messiness of life, the gray issues of faith, to truly allow our lives to conform to the gospel? Join us as we try to figure it out. We are the Brian and Janelle Podcast. Joining us now is not only a friend of the show and a listener, but she's a domestic violence and sexual assault expert, justice system, diversity, equity, and inclusion manager, Victoria Grant. Welcome back to the show, friend. Thank you so much, Brian and Janelle, for having me. So could you help us get, get a picture in your own work? Have you seen this dramatic of an increase? As we saw recent reports say that the number of adult sexual assault victims going to the ER has gone up 1,533%. Yes, we actually have seen the increase of reporting in ERs for sexual assault. And so we attribute that to the Me Too movement and just the fact that the awareness that has been raised around the issue of sexual assault, that survivors are becoming more empowered to report. But one thing I would like to say about that experience is that is the first initial step. And so a survivor really has to process in their mind, because sexual assault can be man or woman, girl or boy. And so they have to process in their mind, do they want to take that initial step? So I really applaud survivors for doing that, because once they report and present in the ER, then that opens up a whole different avenue of having to talk to multiple people and disclose their sexual assault. So you're saying this is largely a picture of victims feeling more comfortable going to get help. So what kept them from going to the ER before? The stigma around sexual assault. You know, there was a stigma of the type of interactions that they had maybe with uh, medical professionals and law enforcement, victim blaming, victim shaming. And so now that we have this awareness within our country that sexual assault is on the rise and victims feel more comfortable with sharing their story. I love that we've seen progress with the Me Too movement and eventually the Church Too movement. You would think that it would also affect the amount of sexual assaults that would happen because of increased awareness. But what's been on that side in terms of progress, let's say, in the workplace with a prevention more than people bringing it up when it happens to them? So we actually have a program that we do talk about sexual assault and uh, domestic violence, and we do training with different employees on prevention and how to put those tools and to recognize what actually might be going on. Because I think when people hear sexual assault, they think of the actual rape. Yeah. But that's not necessarily sexual assault. So sexual assault is defined under the ORC in many different categories. So you don't actually have to have penetration to be considered sexual assault. I think far too often people have associated it exclusively with rape, which is probably what has kept a lot of people uh, from going to get help in the ER. Am I correct? Absolutely. There are all different types of sexual assault, and especially like working with children, there are just so many, like uh, gross sexual imposition is considered sexual assault, and there's no penetration. So as I said, stated previously, 
I think this is a good trend that we're moving in, uh, that survivors are able to share their story and be comfortable with sharing their stories. You know, there's a statistic that says the first interaction, if you're a victim of crime, that you have, whether with law enforcement or with medical professional, will determine if you're going to continue with the process. So I think training law enforcement around the issue of sexual assault and medical professionals will help this number to increase. And the trauma that victims are experiencing when they're sexually assaulted. Now, how do victims determine whether the best course of action is to go to the police station versus the ER? That's an individual determination. I can't really give you an answer for that because it's just something that an individual has to decide on their own. If there's severe injuries besides the sexual assault and they might need medical attention, that might prompt them to go to the ER. But if there's not severe injuries, and I don't want to minimize the sexual assault, then they might not even report still. But it sounds to me like a safe bet, no matter what you do, is to go to the ER because they're trained in terms of how to respond, whether someone needs direct medical intervention immediately. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so in Ohio, we have sexual assault nurse examiners. And so if you are sexually assaulted, they are absolutely trained to get the forensic evidence and to have that empathy and compassion when they're gathering that information. But still in that, Brian, some survivors do not want to go to the ER, which I would encourage survivors to do so just for health reasons, protections against STDs and things of that nature. Yeah. And, you know, I think far too often people don't understand even the role of an ER where recently, as we've seen an increase in mental health awareness, the ER is a great place to go when you're in a mental health crisis. I mean, so goodness sakes, if you're a victim of sexual assault, go to the ER. Absolutely. And there are actually organizations within Ohio that are specifically sexual assault organizations, and they have staff on call to be able to uh, walk that survivor through that journey in the ER. Which chair at the table is empty in your family this holiday season? It seems that everyone has felt the pain of estrangement or disownment in some way. That's why I'd encourage you to check out a podcast series called The Grandfather Effect. In it, I bring you along on my journey trying to uncover why my grandfather disowned my family. And I think you'll learn a few things that could be helpful for you, too. Download the entire series now at moodyradio.org grandfather or wherever you get your podcasts. You mentioned the progress in the medical industry when it comes to awareness with sexual assault. Since the Me Too movement, have you seen the same progress on the legal side in terms of holding people accountable? I know time is of the essence. Witnesses sometimes are lacking. So has there been any progress there? Yeah, absolutely. There's been some progress on the legal side to prosecute these cases. I work with prosecutors and I see prosecutors will try their best to make that case and get that case charged. But it depends on the cooperation of the survivor. That's why it's so important that the first interaction that that survivor has, whether it's law enforcement, medical personnel, is really important because that will determine if they will continue to go through that process. To what extent are you seeing churches in Northeast Ohio and Western Pennsylvania engaged and and ready to help victims of sexual assault? Uh, Not that much, Brian, unfortunately. Um, I think in the body of Christ, we still hold that stigma. We still victim blame and victim shame, and we don't hold perpetrators accountable for that behavior. We want to go the 
spiritual route, which is fine. I'm all for that. But there's also a legal process that needs to be taken as well. You know, one of the aversions I've heard from followers of Christ when it comes to someone who comes forward with accusations of sexual assault is, you know, they're afraid of like a false report, someone just Mm -hmm. trying to get somebody. How often does that that happen? That is a very low statistic. I think it's about 3%. Very, very low. 3% are people just trying to be mean and get someone in trouble. That is a false myth. It is a stereotype. And I wish we could break that stereotype, but it's very, very low. So why is it so pervasive among Christians? I hear it all the time. People are like, well, I don't know if I want to believe her right away, because what if she's lying? Because as Christians, we're taught, as the scripture says, to believe the best. That's what we do. We we believe the best and we hope for the best. Uh, But any allegations of sexual assault in the body of Christ, whether you believe that survivor or not, should be investigated to the fullest extent by the leadership. They have a duty to report. And so how are they held accountable or how has that accountability increased from outside the church holding the church accountable when they don't report? When the church does not report, Mm -hmm. it's a pushback on them. And I think because they keep it so in the inner circle, there really is no accountability. We usually don't hear about it until it makes the news. And then when there's further investigation, we find out that there's been multiple victims. And as Christians, we don't want to accuse our leadership of something so hideous. Mm -hmm. So we have what's called this double bind. We wrestle with our faith and that person that's in a position of leadership and trying to do what the Bible tells us to do. I take many calls from domestic violence and sexual assault victims that struggle with this very thing. I'm a Christian. I should forgive. I don't want to cause a disturbance within my local congregation. And so because survivors wrestle with all of those internal conflicts, it makes it very difficult for them to report. And so because of that, there's really little accountability. It's a heartbreaker that you hear from people who are fearful of reporting sexual assault because of how the church would respond. It shouldn't be that way. No, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. And so that's one of our projects at our agency. We are training churches around sexual assault and domestic violence and how to respond because we know that all survivors are not going to turn to what we would call a mainstream or secular agency. The church is going to be the first place that they go, their local body of Christ. And so therefore, I feel it's imperative for them to know how to respond to survivors of sexual assault and domestic violence. So if there's somebody listening, maybe on a, on a leadership team or an elder board or board of trustees at a church who feels like that kind of training could be really beneficial, how can they learn more about how to get their church educated on being supportive of victims of sexual assault? Well, you can contact Journey Center for Safety and Healing. We do trainings with churches. And for sexual assault, you can contact the Cleveland Rape Crisis Center. They also have training for churches to be able to go in and train leadership on how to respond to survivors. And just in case we've you know, brought up a really difficult subject for someone who's just been through something, If they're concerned that they've been through sexual assault, what's your encouragement for them to do next? They can call our 24-hour hotline, which is 216-391-4000. 
1-800-273-4357. And then if, if there's any doubt and, and you think you're a victim, go to the ER, get help. Somebody there will help you, right? Absolutely. But I just want us to remember that uh, survivors of sexual assault and domestic violence, we encourage them just to move from the empowerment model. And so, in other words, we don't like to tell survivors what to do. This is their process. This is their journey. And if they feel as though that they don't want to report it, that's okay, too. But... I would encourage them to report it for the simple fact of all the medical issues that could present from a sexual assault, especially if you've been sexually raped. Yeah. Great stuff. It's a difficult subject, uh, but our guest, Victoria Grant, has been a real helpful person on this to think through from a biblical perspective. Thank you for talking about this difficult subject with us. Thank you so much for having me. Have a good day, you guys. Thanks for listening to this episode. Don't forget, if you like what you hear on a weekly basis, we'd be grateful for your ratings and reviews wherever you listen. And also subscribe so you get the latest episodes. Follow us wherever you are on social media and search for us online. We're at brianandjanelle.org. Don't miss our weekday morning show with conversations just like this. You can listen on the Moody Radio mobile app or again at our website, brianandjanelle.org. Special thanks to the talented team of individuals who tirelessly put together this podcast every week, Josue Villa, Mike Reynolds, and Ron Eastwood. The Brian and Janelle Podcast is a production of WCRF Moody Radio Cleveland. Until next time, we're Brian and Janelle.